WPSL Port St. Lucie. It's 9 o'clock and time for We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, and we're so glad you're with us today. I hope you can stay with us for the next hour. We Are Just Christians is a live call-in show, and I'll be giving the information in just a moment of how to reach us here uh, on the radio show. You can have a conversation with us or ask a question, make a comment, whatever you have on your mind. We'd be glad to hear from you. And it does, certainly doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with us or whatever it may be. We'd be glad to hear from you. We promise to uh, have a good conversation and give you the last word. We Are Just Christians is a show about spirituality, about what it means to be spiritual according to the New Testament bringing the principles of what we believe to be God's Word into the 21st century because it applies to all of us and then being able to try to live according to, to those principles here in this day and age and we think it can be done and it's not nothing is easy to do applying principles but we think it can be done we invite you along on that journey we are just Christians you can reach us here at WPSL at 772 772- Three four zero one five nine zero seven seven two three four zero one five nine zero is the number, and uh, like I say, when you call in, uh, you'll be patched through to us, and we'll try to uh, have a conversation. If you want to ask a question and go, that's fine. We'd rather have a conversation if you don't mind, so we can make sure we clarify the question, get any feedback you might have, and we particularly invite you if you don't agree or you. Maybe you're not even a believer in the Bible or, or anything like that. That'd be great if you'd call in, and we promise not to be antagonistic if you'll do the same. You can also reach us by text message here on We Are Just Christians. Two numbers. One is mine. I'm Mike Schmidt, 772-260-6120, 772-260-6120. And Gary Jones, how you doing, Gary? I'm here this morning, Mike. We're glad we can be here. And Gary's text number is 772 772- Two six zero six two two zero, and those text numbers are available to you anytime during the week. We try to t- take into account the texts we receive during the show, either answer them or respond to them. If we, if we can't, it's just because of things maybe a little bit hectic, uh, but we certainly can do that also during the week. We have email. You can get a hold of us by email if you prefer. Just Christians at att.net. Just Christians. All one word, just Christians at att.net. And uh, according to um, the station there, right at the station, you, you can listen to this show uh, on the internet if you don't ha- if you don't have a radio handy. Well, I've whatever. I've done it, Mike. It, I just go to the website and uh, and there's a button there to to live so to listen, listen live, right? Listen live, and that's all it takes is right. go to wpsl.com. It'll open up a window and you can listen to the show live. You can also listen on TuneIn Radio, uh, all your Alexa devices, and Google Chrome. Just ask for 1590 WPSL, I believe, or maybe reverse, WPSL 1590. Whichever way it is, you, you ask, and you'll be taken to the show. And we have a podcast of recorded shows going way back many years that you can listen to at wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. Well, uh, enough of that. Let me give you the numbers again, then we'll get right into a couple things. 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590 is the number. Feel free to call in, and we'd be glad to hear from you. Well, Gary, uh, um, we've been talking about a lot of different subjects uh, over the la- course of the last two or three weeks and had several callers. And, you know, I was just... Um, I want to bring something up, and I'm a little bit leery to do it. One thing is kind of funny here, but we won't do that. i got two or three things here that I thought might be interesting to, uh, to bring up. But uh, uh, one of them is about the Pope and him declaring that he supports gay marriage, which we can talk about. The other one really probably has to do with the election. Now, this is not... I'm not. I don't really want to get into. Oh, you should vote Republican or you should vote Democrat. I hate Joe Biden. I hate Donald Trump. That really isn't the point of this show. But I think that there is a, an issue in the uh, that that centers on the uh, upcoming election that pertains to religious people. Well, there, there are churches. Two, there's a, there, there's a big issue that there, may to be overlooked. 
Mike, there's too many instances, and, and I'm afraid too many Christians who want to totally separate politics from religion, and it just simply can't be done in a practical sense. Not altogether, no, because, well, because they bleed into each other yes. in any society. I don't care which society it is. And uh, depending on your definition of religion and or politics, they bleed together. But I have, I have no interest in making this into a uh, partisan show one way or the other. And if I was a different mindset, we'd have people complain that you're not, you're only one way and not the other way and vice versa. And, and that really is, um, I don't mind doing that. I do that all the time, but I, I don't really think that's useful for this show. But here's something that really ought to be considered. There, someone asked me um, recently about issues that I vote that we you know, what do I vote by? And I've mentioned a couple things. I'm sure we've mentioned them on the area before. And there are probably more that could be added to the list. I'm not saying this is an exclusive list. But uh, I don't really think that getting into the details of tax policy is something that I could stand in a pulpit and preach to a congregation. Or nor is it really the purpose of this radio show, although I'll be glad to talk about tax policy uh, in a private setting. But I do think that the issue uh, of, uh, of abortion is an important issue that I, I'm just concerned that people overlook because it's, so, it's unpleasant, it's been talked about most of our lifetime, and because it's so stark between our two major political parties, the contrast is so stark that people become afraid of it, not to want to talk about it. But it's an issue that I use to vote by. I don't know what I'm going to do one of these days when both major candidates and maybe all the minor candidates decide that they're all in favor of, uh, of late-term abortion or whatever the case may be. And, and I also realize that there, is a, there are some arguments being made as to ab- abortion in different stages of pregnancy and so forth. But that's one issue that I vote on. The other one is, is the, and it, the issue of religious freedom that's really come to the front in the last 10, 12, 14 years that it wasn't earlier in my lifetime as such. It's become crystal clear. I, I've been talking about this ever since I began. I, I became a preacher in 1975. I've been talking about the issue of religious freedom as it relates to politics. Well, I, th- I think that's... So, but now it's become crystal clear, and there's something specific on the radar that I think that people need to uh, look at. And, and maybe you think I'm completely wrong about this, and if so, you know, give us a call, 772-340-1590. And that, that's the Equality Act. Gary, G- what were you going to say, Gary? Well, I, I was going to say, I, th- I think as, as far as individual issues go... The idea of religious freedom in this country and what's happening politically is is perhaps the most important one we face today. Yes, it it is, and that's kind of why I'm talking. I'm you know getting uh, talking about this in this way this morning, and why why I do want to talk about it because it is one of the most important issues that we face today, and that is the uh, and what's bringing it to the uh, well. We've seen this come about in the last six months it's come about as far as uh, religious governments uh, stopping people from worshiping and doing other things but there's a broader that all may or may not pass and I think it's pretty clear that certain political mindsets tend to be in favor of shutting down churches and leaving casinos open you know and things like that yes but uh, we, we can we can debate about that issue but that's not going away Really, because there's a certain mindset in society that puts churches under the thumb of Caesar, under his thumb. And they want it that way. They intend for it to be that way. And their religion is that way. They are either Republicans or Democrats first and Christians second or third in many cases, if or, at all. Or fourth, if yeah, at all. If at all. And, and that's not that's not the perspective that that Gary and I have certainly about the nature of our service to God or religion. But there's a there's a, an act that was passed in, in last year, I believe, late last year, by the House of Representatives, United States House of Representatives, called the Equality Act. And it was 
not pass. It didn't get anywhere in the Senate. And uh, Mr. Biden has said that within the first 100 days of his administration, recently said this the other day, he said that he was going to make it a priority to make sure that this act got passed by the Senate and he would sign it into law, the Equality Act. Basically what it does, it takes the law similar to that which exists in Colorado that makes uh, sexual orientation, sexual preference, transgender rights, a civil right protected by the 1964 Civil Rights Act and so forth. And that would, and it's, the other thing that it does, Gary, specifically that's even more concerning, is that it specifically rules out any exemption given to churches or religious organizations on the basis of the Freedom of Religion Act, which exempted, by, con by Congressional Act, exempted churches from having to comply with uh, these uh, homosexual uh, rights activists saying you've got to have so many homosexual priests, you've got to have so you know, you know, got to perform homosexual weddings. The religious organizations are now somewhat, somewhat exempted. It keeps try they keep trying to push around the edges. This act would specifically prohibit that that um, exception. Well, it puts the government in the place of deciding whose civil rights they're going to protect. Right, and what and what Hillary ran on the last election was she said very clearly, well, "I'm not making this up. You can I can give you the quote if you want." that churches had to understand that their rights to practice these things that they that the government views as discriminatory would have to take a back seat to this Equality Act and the things like this. That's one of the reasons I couldn't support her candidacy because she was so adamant about that issue. Now where that affects, most of us aren't going to have, uh, most of us don't care if a person is homosexual in the sense that we're trying to, you know, uh, blackball them and and take away their job and and throw eggs at their house or whatever they can. We, we, no one is doing that. We don't care about that. Oh, I'm sure there are people that are doing that. That's well, not the point of this. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, me being against homosexuality personally as being immoral doesn't mean I believe in mistreating anyone in regard to this. And I know the government can pass a law if it wants to, allowing homosexual marriage in certain situations or civil unions. I suppose we could even go there. But what this law does, it says you as a church, as a religious organization, are going to agree and you're going to um, accommodate this, this in your church and in the, your teachings and in your practice, or you're going to come under uh, the uh, violation of U.S. law. Now, that's a huge, huge step. Well, basically, okay. that that puts today's Christians back in the very same position that the first century Christians were under the Roman Empire. Yes. It, this act, if passed in the Biden administration, would immediately make this church on Savona Boulevard an illegal or, uh, what are we going to say, illicit church. Because we are not going to perform <coughs> homosexual weddings. We don't do it anyway in the church building particularly. But we're not going to sanction that. We're not going to accept as members people who are openly home practicing homosexuals, Gary, any more than we accept people who are heterosexual openly practicing a heterosexual sex together as a couple. We've already had that issue here, and we don't agree without, with that either. Without the benefit okay. of marriage. Without the benefit of marriage, yes. <clears throat> we, don't, we don't sanction that either. We're not going to sanction homosexual marriage in any event because I don't find any support for that in the Bible. And we're not going to appoint those people as deacons or elders of this church or accept them as members if they're openly practicing those things. Not, you look, if you're, if you're a homosexual and you have, uh, you know, you, you, you say you have a sexual orientation to be homosexual, you're certainly welcome here. And you can even be a member here as long as you're not practicing that openly. And the same thing is true about being heterosexual. Of course we accept heterosexual members who have... Uh, heteronormative sexual desire, but if they're practicing that sexuality without being married, they can't. They can't be a member here. Well, now, now that's the, that's <coughs> middle age stuff, I guess, to some people. But this—that's the reason why. And I—I I don't think we're alone in this. That most of the evangelical world and and the Roman Catholic world agrees with what I just said in one form or another. And so what happens is 
that some of those churches are going to knuckle under. They're going to go along with that. Some of them already are going along with all those things. Those who don't, like us, are going to become an illegal religion. And all we're waiting, all that's going to happen is we're just waiting for that couple to come along like they did to the baker out in Colorado. And then the transgender guy later came along and, and put the, this church or churches like this to the test. And you will find once it's passed by the federal government that it's going to be a losing battle. Especially with the, uh, with the temperance of the courts today. Well, well but see, the, <coughs> the thing, the, the reason all that happened in Colorado about the wedding cakes and the transgender uh, you know, operation cake and the guy would, that they wouldn't bake and all that stuff is because Colorado has such a law that we're talking about on the books. The state law. State law. And, there, and the Supreme Court really didn't, didn't strike down that state law. They found a technical problem with something that went on. And then they later found the, that uh, in the Obergefell decision that um, there was a constitutional right to homosexual marriage in the Constitution somewhere. I'm not sure where that's written, but it's in there somewhere, like the right to abortion is in there somewhere, apparently. And According so, to the court. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why some of us have been concerned about getting judges who will actually strictly interpret the Constitution as to what is written, not in not making up rights as they go along. If you want to enshrine those things as legal, then you need to pass laws that reflect that. Well, they know they can't get it through unless they get this through. We have a call on the line. Are you there, Jerry? Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jerry. I mean, Jerry, uh, I mean... We got Gary over here. How you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Mike? Doing okay. What's on your mind? Wondering uh, about the ecumenical council. Is that uh, something that involves all clergy from all different faiths, or is it just Catholic? And I just wonder if you could familiarize us with uh, that term, the ecumenical council. I'd like to listen off air. That'd be okay, Mike. I, I, that'd be fine, Jerry. I appreciate your calling. The ecumenical is um, the ecumenical council is a uh, you know some a general conference of ecclesiastical dignitaries and and theological experts that meet at different times to <coughs> pardon me discuss and settle matters of church doctrine. And there have been lots of these down through the centuries. The only thing like this we have in the New Testament is the conference of the elders of the church in Jerusalem, who some were apostles, and and the apostles in Acts chapter 15, who had this issue of uh, whether Gentiles had to keep the old law of Moses and be circumcised or not, and so they met to discuss this issue. We have no uh, we have no record of this being something that was intended to ha- happen for all of the churches down through time. That's what happened there in the first century to settle this particular issue. And it was really a meeting of the apostles with some of the elders. So the, <coughs> pardon me, it's kind of a little bug in my throat here, but they, they met to discuss this. The idea of the word ecumenical kind of means uh, a coming together or a joining together. Now, there are the, the ones in more... Uh, recent times, the ecumenical councils in more recent times uh, have been about trying to figure out a way to get Protestant religion and Roman Catholic religion back together again, as it were, to bridge the gap between Protestants and Catholics, and also between the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Roman Catholic Church, two branches that broke off in about the year 1066, I think something along that line, they br- they split apart there, Eastern and and Roman Catholic, and uh, there's been many attempts down through the centuries to try to get those together. And what the, here's the here's the the faulty premise of this council, Gary and Jerry, is that the church has these regional or archbishops as a as an actual uh, approved office in the church. Well, These regional bishops or archbishops can get together 
representing whole states or countries or churches and make decisions that all the churches have to follow. We just don't have that pattern in the New Testament. Well, basic, Every set of elders was independent of the others. Go ahead, Gary. Even, even more basic than that, it goes back to whether or not there is a continuing revelation of God's Word. Yes. Basically, you would have to be uh, an eyewitness apostle, and you would have to be basically receiving direct revelation from the Lord, as Paul did, to add or subtract to what's written. And what you find is that even in the very first ones, in the two and three hundreds, that many of the churches did not accept the authority of these bishops who had been selected by other people to decide what they were going to believe and what they were going to practice. And so there's always been this kind of general rejection of these ecumenical councils. Yes. Now, now here's the thing. Uh, I guess, you know, in a, I just now thought there's, of it. In, there's in there's no scriptural authority for an appointed council other than the apostles who were eyewitnesses that re- reveal to us what God's word is. Yeah, we're supposed to follow the teaching of the, apo- the apostles' right. teaching in Acts chapter 2, not the teaching of some bishops coming later on. See, in the first century, now, now we can go so many different directions with this, but I do think it bears upon... Now, now, now you made me forget, Gary, what I was going to say. That's just like you to do. That well, to well, while you're forgetting, easy, easy to do with me. But go ahead. <laughs> while you're forgetting that, uh, while I'm forgetting that, I'm trying. I, to I would like, actually. I would like not not to disregard Jerry's question, but I, I want to go back to something that we mentioned earlier about the early Christians being in in a situation under the thumb of Rome. They were not on, not only under the thumb of Rome, but in the case of the Jews. They were under the thumb of the, basically the the council uh, that was there, the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin council, yes. Right, and and in Acts chapter 5, basically the apostles were commanded by the Sanhedrin in beginning around Acts chapter 5 and verse 28. uh, The Sanhedrin told them, did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. And Peter replies to them in verse 29. He says, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And that's that's the position, I think, Mike, that we have to take. We have to take the position Unfortunately, the government is going to force us to take that position because they're going to try to place upon us things that are not allowed by Scripture. Well, the first ecumenical councils, most all the first ones um, from the beginning, they were called by Roman emperors to settle certain disputes. And their, their decisions, after much debating for sometimes years, became legal documents in the Roman Empire. In the right. later Roman Empire. Now, there's nothing in the church in the New Testament about anything like that, that somehow church bishops should be writing law for the secular authorities, or the secular authorities should be presiding over church uh, meetings. See, the, the problem stems on several levels. We talked about this last week a little bit about this falling away. But it says about the early church early on in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that they, that is the Christians, the first Christians in Jerusalem, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And you can go through, and I I could go through and look them up here, if we want to take the time to do that this morning, all the different references to this very idea here in the New Testament that the apostles' teaching was a thing that they were following. That's really all. That's really all that the conference at Acts 15 was about. He was reaffirming what the apostles had already taught by the words of the apostles and other witnesses, like Paul. Paul being an apostle, and James spoke, and and other people there. One, one of the church elders at Jerusalem, and they sent a letter to the churches. Now we don't have anyone like that today. The problem is the Roman Catholic Church took the elders in the first century churches who were also called bishops, who were also called pastors, and ended up making three separate offices of elders, bishops, and pastors. And so you had the lowest level were the elders, and they were people 
like me and you, Gary, in a little country church somewhere, essentially. And then we would get together with other churches around in St. Lucie County or Martin County, or we say the Treasure Coast. And we'd meet, each of these elderships in local churches would appoint a chief elder, and then that chief elder would get together with the other chief elders in the church or chief bishops in those churches, and they would have a little powwow. And then they would select one archbishop over a synod or a group of churches. And then those archbishops from everywhere would meet together and make a law. Now, this all happened over the course of, of a couple of two or three centuries after the apostles all died. But you remember, and there's nothing about that in the New Testament. This is the fundamental flaw with church council. It springs from a faulty understanding and a really an unscriptural understanding of church organization and structure. By dif differentiating, differentiating elders and bishops and pastors from one another. And interestingly enough, even churches today that would be considered lowbrow churches, like Baptist churches, have pastors who are one pastor over a church. He is the leader. And there's nothing like that in the Bible where one, one church had one pastor who was distinct from the elders. And, and, and regardless... And is, sometimes isn't even married, doesn't have any of the qualifications of the, that's listed in the book of, of First Timothy and Titus for pastors. But, but even, even setting those considerations aside, Mike, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul says, But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Paul says, and, and the apostles hold to this in their writings, you do not depart from what they say. And, and Paul warned, and we got a call, but let's, take, let's finish this thought first. Paul warned them in Acts chapter 20, we read this verse on the air last week. That even he says to the he said to the elders at of the church at Ephesus, wolves. He said, from among your own, own selves, selves, from among your elders, wolves will enter in, not sparing the flock, but heaping to themselves teachers having itching ears. So these among the uh, from among the eldership, what men would arise, perverting the gospel and and getting their own bands of disciples. He warned him about this. That's Acts 20, beginning verse 29. That, for, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, now remind me, because I want to go back, Gary, uh, Gary, to Acts chapter 20. Let's see if you okay. can remember it. Because let's, okay. let's take Ken's call. Are you there, Ken? Yeah, I'm here, Mike. Speak up real loud for me. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, what's on your mind? Uh, I got uh, want to change the subject. Uh, Hang on, we're, we've lost. All I'm getting is feedback. I'm not sure why that happens every time. Um, if you got your radio on, turn, turn it off. Turn Start over, Ken. Uh, numbers, numbers. I think you're talking, and I'm barely hearing anything. Huh. We're 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 not we're not hearing you. Okay. Um. I don't know why, because uh, that's better. That's better. Right that's there. better. Okay, so is that good? Yeah, good. Okay, Numbers chapter thirty-two, verse twenty-three, and six, seven, and eight. Numbers thirty-two, twenty-three, and then I missed. It got more feedback. Galatians six, seven through eight. Okay, let's look up the passage in Numbers first. I'll um, get the Galatians one. Okay, yeah, I think I know that one. I'm pretty sure I know the one in Galatians, but we're going to look it up. Just in, I mean in Numbers, we're going to look it up just to make sure we'll read it. Uh, he says, but if you do not do so, take note. Uh, he's talking about them living according to the law in the land of Moses. I mean in the land of uh, Canaan when they go in and take it. But if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord, Jehovah, and your sin will find you out. Is that the verse you want to focus on, Ken? Yes. Okay, and then and in Galatians 6, you said? Yeah, verses 7 and 8. Yeah, that's about reaping what you sow, isn't it? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. 
for he who sows to his flesh will reap to the will of the flesh reap corruption but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life so what what point do you want to make of those two or I make about 10 points but go ahead okay um I want to reference this according to the latest news. Okay. With uh, the Biden family. Your sins will find you out. You know, yeah. that is something, <laughs> and I, it applies to lots more people than just prominent politicians. But uh, I've seen this play out so many times in my time as a preacher and minister that people think they've got something all covered up and covered all their tracks. But over time, it comes to light. There's, God says there's no secret thing which shall not be brought to the light. The devastating ones happen after people are dead and then their families left picking up the pieces, finding out what they really were up to. So you yeah. think this applies to the Biden family over time, the last however long it's been, huh? Yeah, uh, what I want to say is the context that of that in numbers is not so much that people will find out what you're doing, which will happen, but the consequences of it. In other words, you're going to, your sins are going to have consequences, either unintended or intended, and that's what's eventually going to catch up with you. Is that what you're saying? Maybe kind of like David, who uh, lusted after Bathsheba, Sheba. took him, took her to bed, and then had her husband killed, and he spent the rest of his life paying the consequences in his own family for his lustful, murderous behavior. Well, I, I, Is that what you're thinking of, Ken? I would like to make one... And context, Go ahead. Yeah, in the context here, in numbers, it would affect all, all, not just the two tribes that he's talking to, but it would affect all of Israel. Yes, it eventually it does affect all of Israel, yes. Well, And I'm thinking of what... Well, or what Obama said about election type consequences, well, so does sin. Exactly. Well, I'll say this. Here's the other point that I've made a long time before any of these issues ever came up from the pulpit and teaching from the Old Testament is that uh, the Bible is kind of back and forth because it, it, in different contexts the Old Testament is about whether the leaders of a nation cause the people to go further into sin or whether the people are wicked and therefore the leaders go into sin and are corrupted. Pretty hard to tell the way the prophets speak about the priests and the kings and even the prophets. And then he says that the priests and the prophets do this. Uh, Jeremiah says, but my people love to have it so. And we have become, in my lifetime, maybe before that, a dishonest, untruthful, corrupted, totally uh, taken over by our own personal pleasures and lusts, can't, can't speak the truth about anything unless it's for personal gain, that kind of society. And therefore, everything in our culture is corrupted. It, it's made, it makes everything difficult to do. Because people have just, I'm just using the example of being of dishonesty, much less the sexual sin. I was speaking in the pulpit I don't, uh, the other day about this, that the whole society is overtaken. In fact, I'm doing a series right now on so soberness, thinking soberly. And it's not just about intoxication and, and drinking and so forth. It's got, that's a, that's a, uh, the side issue. The, the point is, our whole culture is spends its time seeking intoxication. Why? Because of the pain of our own sins. That's why. We have broken down the family structure, the family love, the stability of the families of mothers and fathers and 
and, and children being together. We've broken all that down during my lifetime. And entire large swaths of our culture, our, our population, are hurting from that. Some become violent because of that. Some become suicidal because of that. Some become uh, useless and, and indolent, lazy, wasted. They have no purpose in life. They're dissatisfied. Um, some just become wanton sinners and that's all an, a reaction to the pain that they're experiencing because of sin now who brought this about did our leaders bring it about or did we bring it about well the United States being a republic where people select the leaders I think we're, we all have contributed to this in the sense that the people elect the leaders and the leaders come from the people and then, the, and then the leaders lead in such a way that the people are more corrupted. Now, that's, that's how I would apply what he's saying in numbers to our society. And, and so we want to say, well, throw all the bums out. Here, I heard this other, oh, throw all the bums out. Well, we okay. can. What, we can, but guess who you're going to replace them with? More bums just like them. I've seen, look, I've lived long enough to see this over and over in my lifetime. We throw the bums out. And bums just as bad take over because that's all we have to choose from for the most part is people that are corrupted by this idea that the Bible is no good. We don't need personal morality. It's okay if you divorce and get rid of your wife or husband if you don't want them. Divorce is good for the kids. Put your kids in daycare. Let somebody else raise. You know, we've, we've swallowed all of these ideas. It's okay to get drunk and use drugs. Those are all fun things to do. We, we've... All we kinds swallowed of swallowed all that stuff, and we can't find a good leader if you wanted one. And sexual immorality is approved everywhere in the nation. Sure, and, and this leads to dissipation, excess. It leads to uh, all kinds of, uh, I mean, I can't even name all the social ills uh, that it leads to. And so we'll throw these bums out, and guess who will come in their place? You know, And, and we've got some other political issues that go along with that. Once you centralize power and money in one place like Washington, Jesus said, Gary, where the carcass is, there will the, the vultures, vultures be, be gathered together. You put the carcass, the stinking, rotting carcass of power and money in one place like Washington, who do you think you're going to attract? Power-hungry and money-hungry people. Is it any wonder so many of our elected officials, what Ken is referring to here, are taking bribes? going into Congress, making a congressman's salary, coming out after 50 years, multi-multi-millionaires. How does that happen? Because there's a carcass there of power and money that they feast off of. And it's not just one person. I'm, I'm kind of ranting, aren't I? I better. Yeah, well, what, what, you need, what people need to watch for is basically look who wants to spend more money. Because the more money there is there to spend and higher taxes, the more graft and corruption the, the there's going to be sure, to grab it. Sure. It's all about making sure that there's plenty in the pot. Now, this happens because the American people are themselves cor off, somewhat corrupted by immorality, or at least enough of them are. Well, Jer Jeremiah, Jeremiah says <clears throat> about Israel in chapter 6 and verse 13, he says, Because from the least of them to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the pre prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. That's, that's exactly what we see today. People, you hear them express they're concerned about drug dealers in the inner cities. <clears throat> but they got their drug dealer in the suburbs bringing them marijuana. They're not going to give that up. They got their prescription pills that they're lying to the doctors about to get and to use themselves. They got their wine cabinets full of liquor to intoxicate themselves whenever they want to. But they're concerned that somebody else has a drug dealer. Well, all, all, of, the uh, thing, all of the things that we're seeing today, the, the removal of God from anything that they can remove God from easily. Isaiah 30, I mean, and, and Isaiah says this about Israel, but, you know, it, and it doesn't, he didn't write it to apply to the U.S. today, but what he says does apply to what we're doing today. He says, this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, 
who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things, speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get out of the way, turn aside from the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. That's Isaiah 30, verses 9 through 11. And the prophets are speaking of both the leaders and And the people. people. All right, Ken, I'm sorry you got me off on a rant. Uh, Make your application yourself to this if you... I'm sure you want to go some other direction, but yeah, I, you know, I, I was I saw a documentary, and they were talking to, to people in prison who uh, uh, were charged with fraud or corruption, and they all talked about how they admired people in Washington who were guilty of the same crime but we're able to get away with it on a much larger scale. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. When do you think they're wanting to let them out of jail? Bail free, free bail. People want uh, bipartisan stuff. I think it was, um, was it Mark Twain? No, it was um, Will Rogers said that when you hear the word bipartisanship, some larger-than-normal deception is taking place. (laughs) So... When you hear the word bipartisan, some larger-than-normal deception is taking place. And, and that, that's kind of what it is, part, part of what it is, because they all agree on this principle. Look, well, I can get, I'm not going to get off on campaign finance reform and all that. People think that they can somehow limit, they think they can limit money in politics when they are willing to give the government power over everybody's life from top to but, bottom. But You're never going to limit it. You've got to stop the whole process. And you yourself have to become a moral person. But let's let's go back to this for just a minute. In this nation, we are responsible for what we put up there. Of course we, we have are. the vote. We are the people. They say those people work for us, and the Constitution says explicitly those people work for us. They go up there. We elect them, okay? We put them well, in the place. They represent us. They represent us. They do essentially, or they should be doing, what we say. Christians have decided a lot of times in the past, I've talked to Christians or, you know, I'll say Christians in quotes, Mike. Uh, in the general use, in not the, the New Testament in, use. And not in the yes. New Testament use. Christians have avoided voting when they have a responsibility to vote because they have a responsibility for what's in the government. And I cannot convince Christians that they have a responsibility to know and understand who they're voting for and what they're voting for and not to shirk that responsibility because we get exactly what we're getting today. You, you, we are responsible for this, and, and, I, and but, I fear... Gary, everybody out there is out for what is so-and-so going to do for me. How am I going to get what I want out well, of it? And what that, they mean by that is more free stuff. Now, Now, look... Uh, the government has some r- role in society to play, of course. Well, that's the covetous. The whole thing you've got sitting before you is how can I get my stuff? Well, that's and what Jeremiah there's says. No, there's no way you can have a, a government of integrity or a population of it. That's integrity. the covetous. Everyone is given to covetous. Everyone right. deals falsely. That's what he's saying. And Jeremiah, that's, that's not the only way. I have before me right now, as a matter of fact, I listed a bunch of them. There, there must be a dozen of those prophecies the same way. Right. He says, and everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, basically they say, no evil shall come upon you. That's what he's saying. This is that they put away the fact that one of these days you may stand before God and have to explain that vote. Isn't that a scary thought, Mike? Explain who you sided with, as it were. Hey, explain and, and who not, you. Not just who. But the principles by the which princi- they're tra- the principles that they're, that they're trying right, to govern exactly. by—that's even more important. Because you can find fault with any particular individual. Right. And the same ones that complain about Donald Trump today—I hear them. I know them. They were defending Bill Clinton back there. And you know, I've told this story before. It—it it, it just you can't get away from these things. Um, well, I, s- I sent you an article not long ago about how a Christian should handle Donald Trump. And you sent me a note back and said that article was spot on, and I can't find it right now. I wish I could find it. I probably can't find it somewhere here. 
but it, I, but I it, remember I remember Christian after Christian defending, and especially other uh, politicians and other pundits defending Bill Clinton and his engaging in oral sex in the Oval Office as it was not a big deal. And in fact, it wasn't just that he did that. Is he lied about it? And then the, his defense was, it really isn't sex. Okay. Now that that was his defense of, for the thing, and everybody just went right along with that. Why? Because they liked what he was doing. Now then, we come we come down years later now, and dealing with young people, what you find when they they've changed, they've done these this research, it's it's out there. That today, most young people will are engaging even in seventh, eighth grade, or before that in oral sex. Middle school students are, and they would ask. They will tell you, it's not actually sex. We're practicing oral sex because, so we can avoid sex. And you know who this is particularly popular with is Christians, Gary. Young people will go to these churches because they're supposed to be virgins when they get married, so they practice oral sex. Thinking they're going to be virgin. Where did this idea come from? Well, this is an idea. We put these people up and, and we defended them. I'm not saying, look, people can be forgiven for doing wrong. I believe, for example, that if Bill had said initially, yes, I did this, it was wrong, forgive me, that would have been the end of the matter. But nope, a defense has to be made of, these, of this whole thing. And then it changes the way people think about issues down the line. And so is it any wonder that these same people now today are complaining because Donald Trump is not a good man. I, I, as they say in Monty Python, I laugh in your face, okay? <laughs> because I'm old enough to remember you defending that whole process down through time, a and uh, you put you took a man like George Bush Sr. and you threw him out to put Bill Clinton in, and now you're complaining because Donald Trump isn't a nice guy. These things all have reasons why they happen like that. And I'm not defending Donald Trump being a lousy person. But, I'm, but the alternative I have is what I started out the show with, people that are willing to pass an Equality Act that will essentially make this an illegal church going forward on this and many other issues. Well, are the laws... And, and I'm, the, I'm not willing to do that, personally. Are the laws, the laws that exist in California will not let you teach against homosexualism right now. No, no and there's, I got article, all kinds uh, of stuff article. Article. right now. Now, it. and this is what I heard. A conservative, a conservative journalist that I listen to a lot and that usually like to hear defends the gay and lesbian group and their right to be that way and yet was lamenting where this is going in terms of pedophilia they said this this is this is the wrong way I, I sat there and thought to myself well when you when you approved of the gay and lesbian rights where did you think that was going to end I, I probably see, know too much because of having to deal with this for 40 years now Gary about homosexuality and what what really goes on in these situations but uh, in particular among homosexual men there just isn't much interest, even as they age, in, in older homosexual men. The homosexual, homosexual gets locked into a certain age group. That's, it's bad enough with heterosexual men, isn't it? Yes. Much less uh, homosexual men. And here's the, this, the first thing it says about this Equality Act is, quote, an individual shall not be denied access to a shared facility including a restroom, a locker room, a dressing room, that is, in a, that is in accordance with the individual's gender identity. In other words, biological, grown men, males, can use a woman's restroom and women's locker room if they identify as a female. And that's written specifically. It is no longer a debatable point in this Equality Act. It's specifically written right into the law. And how many advertisements have you seen lately on television about people who need to come forward who were part of the Boy Scouts and who were subject to sexual assault. How many of you, how, how oh, many of oh, they're all over the place. All over the place. When did that start? When the Boy Scouts were forced to allow homosexuals to become scout well, leaders. Well, they're also after the Boy Scouts because they tried to keep females out, and that made them a persona non grata among organizations. Right. So now we're going to attack those. But, but there's other, uh, other things like this. It, it would prevent religious organizations or religious Americans and seeking exemptions from these provisions, for example, us 
here accepting homosexual, practicing homosexuals as members, uh, which we which we talked about before, just be, on the basis of our religion, would be illegal to do that. Well, and so forth. So the only good, the only good thing about that, Mike, is you and I don't decide who becomes members or who becomes a part of Jesus's kingdom. We can't decide who is a Christian, but we can decide if we accept someone, someone as a member of this church based on many other things. Now, now the point I'm I, I don't know, Ken, are you still there? I, we've hijacked your call here. I'm here. All right, go ahead. Uh, one of the one of the things you said about Clinton, um, I was very angry with Democrats when he, under oath and a grand jury, lied about his uh, affair with Monica Lewinsky, and I thought that was a turning point for the country. And, and it was defended. It's one thing to lie, but then you know, Richard Nixon lied, and and he wasn't. He was thrown out. He was forced to resign. So he would have been impeached. Right. He was thrown out. So, but we, it wasn't, it, that was a watershed moment. You're correct about that. And, and uh, of course, I remember seeing it live when he took his bony finger and wagged in my face through the TV screen and said, I did not have sex with that woman. Okay. And I knew he was lying when he said it. Well, it depends on and, what your definition and, of yeah, is, what, is. And that's my point about what is sex. That's his, what's your definition, you see. And so uh, that was a turning point in American politics. Hasn't got better since then. Don't expect it to get better unless there's a huge uh, disruption. Now, we may be in the process of that. I don't know. I certainly can't speak for what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen and what will be the outcome of it. But I'm just simply trying to speak of this. I'm not trying to rehash all this political stuff. I'm trying to say that... For those of you in this audience who are religious people, that that who you vote for in this case, I think at least one issue, will make a big difference going forward as to what whatever church you belong to or if it's this one, the Lord's church, it will make a big difference going forward. And we can't act like it's not going to change. The intention of the – look, folks, pay, pay attention. The intention of this Equality Act and and the House representatives and Joe Biden, who will sign it if he's elected, and the Senate if it's changed, the intention of that act is to alter what churches do and teach. It's written into the law. It's not going to be a a byproduct that they didn't really intend. They intend to make churches knuckle under and stop being against homosexual homosexual marriage and gay priests or whatever the case may be. They intend for that to happen. They intend for transsexual rights to be written into this so that essentially females are going to be erased in competitions of every kind, any kind of, uh, any kind of thing we've done the last 50, 100 years to and, and make every- sure that women have equality in society. That's going to be erased. When, when this law is passed, this is not a by, uh, accidental byproduct. And we have taught in the, uh, here about obeying God and what it takes to be a part of God's kingdom, not necessarily uh, a local church, but what it takes to be a part of God's kingdom is to obey God. What that is going to force every one of those people out there, of every one of us, is we're going to have to decide whether we're going to obey God rather than men. Yes. Just like Peter said in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, you're going to have to decide at some point. That's what that law is going to do. It's going to make you decide. Are you going to obey God or are you going to obey men? Yes. And, and, and that's um, going to have severe consequences. I know, what, I know what we're going to try to do here, and I dread that. I dread that having to be the case. So the way I, po- the way I frame this issue for people that, would ever listen to me is that one of the major issues of this election and all the ones to come most likely as it was probably in the last election is what's called in the Bible the free course of the gospel now this is a personal opinion of mine Gary I believe that God has blessed the United States of America in spite of all the things that you can say are wrong with it because in general on this continent 
in this nation. In this nation, we allowed the gospel to be preached freely. We didn't always do right. There, we're filled with churches that don't teach the truth. We have a, a secular media in Hollywood and institutions that are against God. Okay, I can even put up with some of that as long as the gospel can be preached freely to those who need to hear it, who want to hear it. Now, it's one thing for me to tolerate the news media and Hollywood and everything else being dominated by people that hate God, the God of the Bible and would like to shut me up. It's another thing for them actually to enshrine in law the ability to do just that, to shut me up. And so this is what's at stake, the free course of the gospel. And I believe Christians should be concerned about that. Now, it's a little too late to write your congressman because they've already passed the law. You might want to write your senator if, if he's not up for re-election. And you might want to make sure that you don't help to put in power someone who is going to sign this into law if elected. That's my point. Now, other than that, do as you will. But my, the point is I'm afraid this is where we're headed. By the way, someone texted me and said that uh, sometimes on, on your show – it sounds like the callers are on speaker phones. And if that's true, it makes it hard to listen to. And I don't know if the callers are on speaker phones, but I just put that out there in case that's the case. Uh, we need to do that. So it, it is difficult to get the balance right between uh, – you've heard us struggle hearing calls right. uh, for a long time. We, we're doing a little better now. But uh, if you do call in, make sure you're not listening to the radio speak up real loud, get off the speakerphone, it'll work a lot better. Uh, I think um, it causes problems there at the radio station. All right, we got um, Ray at the station says you can blame him too. Well, yeah, we'll, we, we'd love to blame anybody but us, Ray. I mean, that's, that's kind of our modus operandi well, here. So. That's kind of human nature. Ken, you want to summarize what you ha have been um, uh, saying here for me? And, and uh, so we can finish this point? I just, you know, just want to emphasize, you know, sin has consequences for everyone. Yes. Well, the consequences of the fact that we're going to be faced with decisions that are going to be very unpleasant in their result. Yes, and you know, you be down to a personal level. My own personal sins and weaknesses impacted my children. And I hope they don't impact my grandchildren too much, but I'm afraid that they will. And, and this is the nature of, hu of being a human being. But you don't just act like that doesn't matter and go around cavalierly. All my lifetime, so cavalier. Well, we all are sinners. Well, why don't we do something about that? Why don't we try, try not to be sinners from now on? But no, the idea is, well, since we, we, we all sin, it's usually given in, in, in the way of excusing our behavior and our attitudes, which only perpetuate the difficulties. My problem with this law, and some like it, is that the consequences are not unintended. We've seen many laws passed that have unintended consequences, which are bad enough. Everything has unintended consequences. The consequences for Christians for this law are, are intentional, and I think we should be alarmed about that. All right, we've got a couple minutes left, Gary. Uh, appreciate your call, Ken. I think we'll uh, uh, give you the last word there, and uh, we, we appreciate it, and, and Jerry calling, but um, we didn't really get... Uh, too far into Jerry's question about ecumenical councils, maybe we can do that again a little bit later. But I'm just saying this. I was just saying that the structure is not in the Bible for an ecumenical council at all. And maybe we should talk about pastors, bishops, and elders in another show soon, Gary. If you want to do that, we think we can yeah. do that. We also finish, need finish up. We got about a minute left. Minute and a half left. So well, up. we I think we also need to talk about uh, continuing revelation or basically when when the gospel was finalized, basically what Paul and the apostles teach became the standard, and it was once for all delivered. It will not be changed. It will not be, uh, you know, added to or taken away from. Councils can't do that. And councils can't do that. And, and men, men, nobody can do that, basically, right. no matter who they are. That's exactly right. That's and we need to go to the scripture, and that's, that's, that's where our standard is. All right, well, we really appreciate you listening today to the show. I, I know I apologize if I got to ranting too much. but uh, Well, we've uh, both been kind of doing that a little bit. I, I, and I hate that. I want you to focus on the point I'm making and not just get upset because I don't support your candidate. Focus on that. But if you'd like to join us here at the church building, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard is where we meet at 10 and 11 today. We have both a live in-person services and a live stream. 
We'd love to have you. Take a look at wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com is the place where you can find recordings of this show and all the sermons from the church. And you can search them and generate them. We'd love to have to see you. So tune in again next week. So until that, until then, may God bless you. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie on WPSL Port St. Lucie.